Welcome to the Glory Bell Podcast. We invite you to join us at Glory Bell Church on Sundays at 10 a.m. in downtown Waco. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at glorybell.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Glory Bell Church. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the message. All right, come on, we thank God for them. Uh, those of you who are visiting as a guest, we always like to give you a little preview of what's to come so that nothing ever catches you off guard. Uh, but today we have a guest speaker with us, and uh, he's going to share a sermon. And uh, we've asked him to just take take the rock and mic it, y'all. No, take the mic and rock it. Y'all see, y'all see if I'm just making sure y'all paying attention. Y'all get distracted by my high water suit pants up here. Uh Ready for that flood, somebody. Get it going. Boom. Just in case you're worried about stinky feet, I am wearing socks, okay? Uh, but we've asked him to truly take the mic and just have his, have his way, Liberty. But as he preaches, I just want to let you know at the end of service, we're going to give you a chance to pray uh, with our prayer team. We're going to go into one final song of worship. And uh, then finally, for our church family, we're going to give them a chance to give. So that's what the rest of service looks like. We'll be out of here by 11.15-ish. And uh, it's going to be a great day. But I want to share with you a little bit about Pastor Alvin and his beautiful wife, Nicole. Uh, they have two amazing kids, 16 and 18. And uh, they have been a vital part of our life. We served in ministry together at Grace Church in Houston for a number of years. And uh, now uh, they lead uh, a ministry called the Cadence Project, helping worship teams get in cadence and in rhythm. Uh, he is an amazing uh, musician, uh, producer, Grammy-winning uh, Come on, he's amazing. So make some noise for Alvin. Uh, but I'm just getting started because uh, really what really has impacted our lives through their ministry is their passionate pursuit for the things of God and uh, just the anointing that they have on life. Y'all, if you don't know this, I grew up in church, so I've been in, I've been in a lot of church services. I am a weird person that, like... I don't really like to watch TV shows as much as I like to watch preaching videos, okay? I'm weird like that. And uh, um, I've heard a lot of great sermons. And I can tell you, without fail, without any exaggeration or hyperbole, one of the greatest sermons that I've heard, Pastor Alvin and Nicole shared with us uh, several years ago at a summer camp. And uh, it was really for the students, but my life was forever changed by that. And not only that, but the ministry that they have and the anointing. So when we set out to plant Glory Bell Church a few years ago, uh, or not a few years ago, a few months ago, several months ago, I guess, I called up uh, Alvin and I said, hey, would you consider being an honorary advisor to us and just be part of our spiritual covering and just really guide us as we navigate planting a church and planting a diverse church, but planting a church that really pursues the presence of God. And so it is my delight and my joy. Would you stand to your feet and welcome to the stage uh, Alvin Richardson. Come on, make some noise. Come on and make some more noise for your pastor. And those holy high waters he has on, praise the Lord. No flood shall touch that hymn. <laughs> Your pants shall be forever dry in Jesus' name. <laughs> it is my great pleasure to be here with you this morning. My lovely wife, 
Pastor Nicole is over here. Come on, make some noise for my wife. Oh, you can do better than that. Amen. She is my partner in life, my partner in ministry. Uh, I'm so glad to have her and be on her team. Um, you know, many, many years ago, over 20 years ago now, she, uh, she got a great blessing in that God gave her me. <laughs> and she could finally stop begging so much. Just, like, this is getting embarrassing. All right, all right, I will be your husband. Y'all know the lightning is coming anytime. <laughs> uh, it is my, my joy, my privilege, my honor to be married to her. And we get to do ministry as a team. Pastor Chuck mentioned that we have a ministry, an organization called the Cadence Project, because everybody needs a little help finding their rhythm sometimes. And we're not just out here twisting in the, in the wind. There is a cadence. There's a rhythm to our life. There's plans that God has, and there's, there's a voice that he He's speaking and giving us a rhythm and saying right and left and right and left. And every now and again, we just need help finding our rhythm so we can get where we're going. And we do that through working with worship teams, uh, church leadership teams. I, I still do a lot of music, but we also do couples counseling and, and leadership development and life coaching. And we're just having a great time going around collecting a bunch of church homes. Everybody asks, where's your church home? I got church homes all over the place. I'm just baller that way. And so I have been, <laughs> if you haven't figured out by now, I'm pretty crazy. So this, this might be a little different for you this Sunday. Call my therapist later. But, oh, you too. Yeah, she's crazy too. Oh, you're the therapist? I don't know if you want to vouch for that right now. <laughs> but we, we, love, we love to collect church homes, and this is another one of them. And we have been itching to get here. We've been wanting to be here many times over, over these 24 weeks, 23 weeks. And I just want to start off by just giving honor to your pastors. I... Yeah, go ahead. That's We got to give honor to your pastors. I, I know that they work hard and they do a lot of things. I'm just going to try to embarrass them as best as I possibly can. But what has happened here is phenomenal. This, unfortunately, is not normal for a brand new church. And you should, you should give God a great, big, loud, and thunderous praise for what he is doing so quickly. Through, through your pastors. It's absolutely phenomenal. I love you guys. I just want to tell you congratulations. Um, you know, just bear with me. Give me another minute just to say, wow. <laughs> I got to say that. You know, you, you guys are going to come in and you're going to look and you're going to look. What, do we, what can we do? What can we do? I'm just going to force you in this moment to celebrate all that God has done way faster than people are usually able to do it. And it is because there are people here. How many members of Glory Bell Church am I looking at right now? This is a group of people who is doing a tremendous job hosting the presence of God. That's why this is happening. That's why this place is so special. And I'm honored to be here. And I have an encouragement for you today. 
Um, it's an encouragement for this place, this church, this house specifically, but it's also an encouragement for anybody in here that is reaching for something. Anybody in here that just wants more. Anybody here who's saying, you know what, I, I think there's got to be something else. Is there anybody else in here like that? Am I by myself? Is there anybody who says, you know what, there's, there's got to be more. There's something inside of me that says that God has more for me. And God promised us that he would take us from glory to glory to glory. So that means as great as things are here in this place, whatever great thing you may be experiencing in your life right now, there's still more. Because guess what? God never runs out of glory. He never runs out of glory. He never runs out of power. He never runs out of a desire and a determination to do great things for us and through us. And we're at a place. We have an opportunity this morning. Do you believe it? This point in time is a great opportunity. It's an opportunity to go from here to there. Wherever your there is in your life, I'm here to make an announcement for you. You've outstayed your welcome at the place called here. Because there's a there that's even greater than here. Do you believe that? God has such great plans for us. And I want to talk about a way to help us to level up. And there's, there's things we could do to help get us to that next level, to go from glory to glory to glory. And it's a little bit different the way that I'm going to try and help us to get there, I'm going to talk to you about a time to kill. And there's that face like, what? <laughs> Don't worry, we're not about to, to have a murder rally or something like that here. But I want to give you this example, this filter, uh, a, a Bible story that's not often told that has some things in us that shows us how to get to that next level, to get to the next place in God. And, and Israel, who was God's chosen people, this nation over years and years and years of history, we get to see this pattern with them. They go through this cycle. And it's like, we love God. We're everybody, oh, the power of God. And they're close to God. And then they kind of get used to God. And and then they, you know, kind of let their guard down a little bit, and then they start intermarrying with people around them that don't believe the same way that they do, and then they drift away, and then they're in some kind of bondage, and it's like, oh, God, help us. And then God comes in and delivers them, and it's like, yes, we love God. <laughs> and don't, don't they sound familiar? Because we might as well not fake. All of us who are believers, we're just like that. We have those moments in our life where it's like, man, I feel so close to God. I'm, I'm having victory in my life. I feel extra churchy right now. <laughs> I got super church power. And then stuff happens in life. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place where it seemed like just a minute ago, we were so spiritual and churchy. And then we get to a spot where we're saying, God, where are you? <laughs> are you even real? We have highs and lows and highs and lows. And God, I believe he puts his chosen people's story in the Bible to show us how to navigate these patterns and how to break that cycle. And he does it in this story 
And I just need to prepare you because the story's kind of gross. <laughs> but there's a story in Judges, the third chapter, and verses 12 through 30 that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. So let me set it up. Before Israel, the nation, had kings, they had judges. They had leaders who would kind of help keep order. And these judges, one of them was named Ehud. Now listen, uh, I, I want you to pay attention and I want you to focus, but I don't mind if you make some noise in here and talk back to me, okay? I'm, I'm good with that. Noise doesn't bother me. I'm a musician. Noise is my friend. So I just want to let you know that because, the, you know, the more you let me know that you're with me and you're getting it, then I can move on to the next point. And then we can have lunch earlier. But considering the fact that Pastor Chuck told me I had a good two, three hours for this message, I will keep digging and digging and digging. I'm just playing. I saw somebody just grab their purse like, oh, no, you won't. I'm going to eat. You can preach as long as you want to, but right about, I got brunch waiting on me. But Ehud, Ehud was a judge who God raised up. And he raised Ehud up at a period of time where, where the nation had gone through one of these down cycles. They were feeling low. They were on the bottom of one of these cycles that they had gone through. And they'd been in bondage for 18 years. They got complacent. They got comfortable. They intermarried. Enemies rose up around them. They became slaves. And instead of living the promise, God's chosen people, instead of living out their promise, they were people who were chosen for great things, and then they were living in bondage. And God raises Ehud up, and he's using this story to tell us how dangerous it is for us to have a we-got-this mentality. It's one of the things that contributes to our cycles. When things get good, we say, oh, we got this. We got this now. Thanks, God, you answered the request, but we got this. I got the new job. My budget has expanded. God, we got this. <laughs> right? There was such desperation when you were going, oh, my goodness, we have 10 and we need 100. <laughs> and there was desperation in your worship. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You were the first one to the altar. God, help me pray. Oh, somebody, I need to be close to God. Right? But then when the blessing came and when the glory came, we said, okay, now I'm good. I got this. Thanks, God. You can go help somebody else. Look at that poor man over there. Go help him, God. <laughs> Share with him some of your glory. It's very dangerous to have a we got this mentality. Because I don't mind telling you, we don't ever got this. <laughs> We need God. We need him every minute, every day, every hour. And it's so dangerous for us to get to a place where we got a good church that we can come to and we got a great worship team. Give it up for this worship team doing a phenomenal job. We got a great church we can come to and it feels good in here. We got a great worship team and things are going so well and it feels good. And we, we, we've got a place. We've got a place where everybody knows our name. That old hymn that said, sometimes you want to go wherever. Oh, that's not a hymn, is it? <laughs> I'm just joking. It's not a hymn. But that place can be dangerous. That place can be dangerous when we stop asking God for what's next. That place can be dangerous when we stop reaching for something else. 
that place could be dangerous when there are other things that God has promised us. But we say, well, we got this and this feels good, so I don't really have to worry about anything else. I don't really have to reach for anything else. And here's this gruesome story to remind us that sometimes in our life, God will remind us that it's time for a kill. It's time to have an aggressive mentality about all that God has planned for you. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I can laugh and joke with the best of them, but I get really aggressive when I think about the fact that for me and my house and my family, I want everything that God has for us. I want every moment of glory that God has for us. And if he identifies anything that's in my way, I want to know how to knock that out of the way. And sometimes it's, it's not time for being quiet and enduring and just taking it. Sometimes it's time for a kill. Like, God, if it stands between me and your glory, that's got to die. Now, don't worry. I'm not talking about people. If, if you're on the Internet right now looking for a gun, stop. <laughs> Tell somebody I told you to go get a gun and kill somebody. I'm not talking about killing people. But I am talking about something that's got to die, something that's got to go away. Ahud, the judge, goes to see Eglon. That's the next character in this story. Oh, Eglon is a very, 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 very fat king. And I, um, I just, listen, I love Bible stories, so I'm going to notice if the Bible that is so beautiful and so eloquent, right? Don't you tell the truth. Okay, y'all know I'm crazy, but you can tell the truth that you're a little bit crazy too. Don't you imagine the Bible, every time you hear a verse, don't you imagine it in the British accent a little bit? <laughs> Just a little bit. And this Bible with all the these and those, and all of its beauty, and all of its descriptors by the rivers of Babylon, that Bible, when it got to describing Eglon, it's like, Eglon was a very fat king. That's how he's described. Ahud goes to see him. And the idea is that he's going to go and give tribute. This fat king that has his people enslaved, the slaves, the people, God's chosen people, are coming to this enemy and just bringing him tribute, bringing him stuff for him to consume. He loves to just consume things. And clearly, he's insatiable because he's very, very fat. All he does is sit there and take and take and take. And Ahud comes to pay tribute, but God gave him a special instruction this time. God said, when you go pay tribute, I want you to show up just like you normally would do to pay tribute to the king. But under your robe, I want you to take a long dagger. You can either describe it as a long dagger or a short sword. And I want you to hide it on your right thigh. Just remember that because it's going to become important later on. Hide it inside your right thigh because when you come to the door, the guards are going to stop and, you know, they were doing stop and frisk a long time ago, folks. So, <laughs> so, so when one of these folks comes through, like, I have tribute, they're like, hold on a second, put your arms out, let me pat you down. When they pat you down, they won't see it. And then when you come in to stand before the king, I want you to go ahead and give him his tribute. So Ehud does this. He goes in. He says, I have tribute for you. The king says, mm. More food, give it to me. <laughs> and he takes the tribute from Ahud. And then Ahud says, oh, but king, 
I got one more thing. Well, I called this a time to kill, but this sermon has a hashtag, and the hashtag is, "Uh uh-oh, fat boy. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Ehud says, oh, but I got one more thing for you. I have a secret. And the king says, ooh, give me some more, give me some more. He's like, it's secret, it's just for me? So he sends his guards out, like, I don't even want to share this with my guards. More, more, give me some more. And God knew this was going to happen. So he tells Ehud, tell him you have a secret for him, and then I want you to tell him that you have a word for him from me. So Ehud says, king, I have a secret. He sends the guards out, and he says, I have a word for you from God. And Eglon does a curious thing. He stands all that fat up. Did I tell you that Eglon was a fat king? A very, 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 very fat king. But he hears that Ehud has a word from God, and he hoists his big self up. Because guess what? When it comes to God, everything Everything that is under his watchful eye is subject to his authority. Even the fat king knew when Ehud said, I have a word for you from God. The secret's not coming from me. When he heard it's coming from God, Ehud, everything just had to stand up. No matter how much effort it took to get his big self out of that chair, he had to go ahead and stand up because God is the one that's in control of everything. Eglon may have been sitting on the throne in that moment, but as soon as he heard that God had something to say, he had to get up out of that throne. Then Ehud says to him, oh, King Eglon, I have a word for you from God. And then he took his left hand and he reached to that right thigh. He pulled that short sword out and he stabbed Eglon in the gut. Now, he was so big And the sword was so sharp that when it cut him, it cut through and kept going all the way through the hilt and the handle. And it kept going until the fat just enveloped the entire sword. The whole thing went in. Poor Ehud didn't even get his nice knife back. He didn't even get it back. It went all the way in the king's bowels, his insides released, and Ehud snuck out. The guards never knew what was going on, and he rallied all the troops in Israel to say, we're taking our city back. And there's a couple of things in this really strange, gruesome story that God wants to show us about our lives. First of all, let's deal with Eglon. Eglon the fat king, fat boy, as I non-affectionately like to call him, he represents the opposition. He's the embodiment of every single thing that opposes you from getting the glory that God wants to get into and out of your life. He represents our flesh, our fallen humanity. See, when I say it's time to kill, I'm not trying to get you riled up to go after somebody else. It's time to kill the things that we carry around on the inside of us. 
that keep us from seeing more glory. And there's a couple of things that we can learn from Ahud about how to deal with our opposition. The first one is don't feed your foe. Don't feed the animals. How many of us have seen that movie where there's some people out in nature and there's signs everywhere that say, don't feed the animal? And then there's that one knucklehead who says, well, I just commune with nature. I'm one with everything. And so come here, Mr. Wolf. I have some treats for you. Come here, Mr. Bear. I have some honey for you. And everybody knows how this movie ends, right? Within minutes, that's what that soundtrack is like. Because you don't feed your foe. Don't feed the animals. Eglon, the fat boy, the flesh, is insatiable. And he feeds on drama. He feeds on drama. Now, you know, be sly about it if, if like, they're sitting somewhere near you. <laughs> but haven't we all met that person that it's like when they come into the room, it's like a dark cloud comes with them. Like, they are not satisfied unless there's some drama going on in their life. Fat boy feeds on drama. He feeds on conflict. There are some people that they just want to argue about everything. Most of them live on social media. <laughs> you cannot make a decision these days about what you're going to have for dinner without somebody coming and starting an argument about your food choice. I represent the plants of this world. <laughs> what you are doing to that lettuce is unacceptable. <laughs> it's like, really? But Fat Boy feeds on pointing the finger at somebody all the time. He feeds on drama and conflict. Another thing that Fat Boy feeds on is secrecy. Fat Boy feeds on hiding things. Don't feed Fat Boy with private fantasy lands about stuff that you can't really talk about. Uh-oh, it got quiet. Do I need to go three hours? If there are married couples in here, I've been married for 20 years. I can tell you, fat boy feeds on secrecy. He feeds on the idea that you got a whole nother Facebook pro profile that nobody else knows about. He feeds on text messages. Oh, we're just talking. We're just talking. But he's insatiable. And pretty soon, just talking won't be enough. Fat boy feeds on a mental playground where I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody, Right? It's all just going on up here. It's all just happening in here. Are you guys okay? I see some pain looks. Is everybody all right? But Fat Boy feeds on, 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 on secrecy. He hates exposure. And God is showing us that we cannot feed him. We can't have our secrets. We have to expose him. Exposure starves him out. Standing in the light of God starves him out. Having people that you're accountable to starves him out. Having somebody in your life that you can talk to about what you're dealing with starves him out. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for folks in my life that I can talk to. I might be standing on a stage preaching and holding a microphone, but guess what? 
There are times when everything that's going on up here and everything that's going on in here isn't the best. And if I'm so prideful that I try to keep it to myself, fat boy will be in there like, mm, give me some more. And I find myself in a bondage and in a place that I did not intend to be. The, the opposition that's external, what fat boy wants to do is work those external things into the internal. He wants an opportunity to, to control the way you react to what goes on in life. When there is trouble, fat boy knows, just like God warned us, that there will be trouble. John 16 and 33 says, in this godless world, there will be difficulties. But then right after that, he says, but don't worry about it because I've already overcome the world. But what fat boy wants to do, he wants to point to the difficulty and say, if God is so big and so strong, why are you having trouble? Can I give you an encouragement today? The existence of trouble is not the absence of God's grace. The existence of trouble does not mean that God has left you and that you're defeated. Fat boy wants to give you the illusion that he's the one that's in control. And this one is really, really important. Once things become internal, we can't feed negative ideas, but we also have to have no negotiation. Everybody say that and say it with an attitude. Say, no negotiation. We cannot negotiate with fat boy. We cannot negotiate with what opposes us. And what I mean by having negotiation, it's when we say, oh, this is okay. I'm just wired this way. This, I'm just wired like that. That's how I am. Oh, I'm not a, it's, it's not that I'm opposed to worship. I'm just not a rah-rah kind of person. I know that the Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I know that God says, make a joyful noise, but I'm a more reserved individual. And God made me this way. He wired me this way. So if I'm sitting here with my hands tightly clasped at my lap, silently nodding, <laughs> it's okay. That's a negotiation. <laughs> That's fat boy saying, okay, you know what, I'll give you, I'll tell you what, I'll leave you alone if you just sit here quiet. Don't open your mouth, though. Don't do something out of your comfort zone. <laughs> don't, don't step out and, and ever get an inkling of the idea that there's more for you. If you're willing to re reach for God more, you're going to become more aware of his presence. If you do that, I, I, you know, I, I, I won't hit you too hard. Bring me tribute. Bring me tribute with your silence. Let's negotiate with this thing. The negotiations are saying, oh, I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm just generally a low-key, melancholy person. And so I'll go to church, and I'll put on a smile, and I'll shake hands with everybody. Fat boy, if you could just, just lay off me long enough for me to get to service and let me cover the tracks of my tears with this makeup. And then when I'm by myself and nobody's around to point a finger at me, I'll go ahead and have my crying fit then. I'll go ahead and get another pill. I'll go ahead and get another temporary substance to relieve me of my pain. Somebody say no negotiation. 
I came with hope this morning to tell you that God gets to a place in this story where he does things that are more aggressive. There are times in the Bible where there were kings where God was willing to say, here's a negotiation for you. If you do this and then in this much time, then I will save. In this instance, when he comes up against the fat king, he says, no negotiation. It's time for a kill. Are there any believers in here who have an attitude that's starting to rise up in them a little bit that says, you know what, if there's some crazy guy from Houston that's going to come here and tell me that there's more glory, I want more glory, I want God's will for my life, I'm not willing to settle, and I'm not going to negotiate with my enemy. If that's you, come on, clap your hands and make some noise. We cannot negotiate with fat boy. We can't sit around and say, well, life may not be all I want it to be, but at least it's not as bad as it used to be, and I'm just okay. Just okay is a horrible tactic of the enemy. Just okay is the enemy of the glory that God has for us. Has anybody seen that ridiculous commercial that says just okay is not really okay? Ooh, I wish I had that idea first. <laughs> it's such a good statement. I'm putting it in this sermon. Just okay is not okay. We will not negotiate with our enemy. We cannot get to a place where we find a complacency where it is normalized that we come to the house of God and leave without being changed. It's in the name of this place. This is the place where we encounter the glory of God. If we've encountered the glory of God, you can't have the glory without having God here. So that means that every time the doors of this place opened up, you've already promised the whole state. <laughs> you've already promised the whole city. When you come to Glory Bell, you will encounter the glory and the presence of God. Am I in the room with any Glory Bell members today? He feeds on the idea, normalizing that no presence, no glory, no healing, no change is just fine, and just okay is not okay. That idea, sitting on the throne in our life, has to be killed. The word, it might sound like something harsh to say, man, why is he talking so much about killing? Because the Bible tells us that there's no good thing in the flesh. I love the way Romans 7, 18 says it in the Passion Translation. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longings to do what is right are within me, but the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. The mindset of the flesh is death. So it's time for a kill. This is how it's done. Ehud is a lefty. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. The Benjamites were predisposed to left-handedness. Usually, when we think of the right hand, we think of the right hand as the strong hand, correct? Any left-handed people in the house? Raise your hand. See how few of them there are? <laughs> when you go to the store to buy golf clubs... <laughs> You got to go to a spot where you find the left-handed clubs <laughs> because the right hand is considered the strong hand. But when God sends somebody to go deal with Eglon, he sends this left-handed guy. 
he, he's predisposed to left-handedness. When the guards see him come in and they pat him down, they weren't looking for the weapon on his right thigh. They were looking for it on his left thigh because they were expecting the strength to come that would grab any weapon. But this left-handed guy comes in, they don't even look for a weapon on the other side. Do you know what God wants to teach us with that? The way we're going to get his glory is when we realize that God shows up at our weak spot. The way we're going to keep coming to this, into this place and encountering the glory of God is when we recognize that God, more than he's moved by any other thing, is moved by our need. <laughs> he's moved by our weakness. When God shows up here, it is not going to be because he's found a collection of people that are so strong and so great that they've earned his glory. The ones that he's coming to look for are the ones that need him. I can let you know I'm a right-handed person naturally, but spiritually, I want to be left-handed. Anybody else want to be left-handed in the building? If that's you, come on, just lift up your left hand and wave it a little bit. Come on, I need y'all to work up an appetite for this brunch that <laughs> you're about to eat. God will show up at your weak spot. So stop trying to pretend like you have it all together. When somebody asks you how you're doing that you can really trust, stop going, I'm fine, everything's good, I'm okay. If God responds to need, why would we hold our need behind our back and keep showing our strength? I'm good, see? I'm good, see? I'm good, see? No, fat boy loves that. He loves to feast on that. He can sit on the throne of the direction of our lives as long as he wants to when we're just hiding the weak place. But I came to encourage somebody here today, don't, you don't have to look around and worry about who else knows about it. Everybody in here has a weak spot. God is here today to say, show me your left hand. Show me your weak spot. I'm going to take the place where you're weakest, and I'm going to take your enemy out with it. I'm going to take the place where you feel like, I just can't get over this. I just seem to be falling short. I'm so afraid. If anybody ever knew my secret, my weak spot, God shows up at your weak spot. That's why Paul said, we glory in our infirmities. And lastly, how do we kill fat boy? You've got to draw your weapon. Your weapon is your word and your worship. I believe that there are people in here who have different experiences from all different walks of life. But there is something that is common for all of us. It was touched on earlier right from this same platform. What we say matters. You can't go to Fat Boy and negotiate with your own words. We can do it just like Ehud did. We walk into the room, the center of ourselves, and we say, stand up, Fat Boy. <laughs> I got a word from God for you. Stand up. I've got a word from God. I've got something that God says about me that is different than what you've been telling me. You've been calling me by the wrong name. I am not defeated. I am not 
depressed. I am not problem child. I am not alcoholic. I am not addict. I am not abused. I am not victim. That's not what God named me. Stand up, fat boy. I got a word from you. God called me victorious. God called me more than conqueror. God called me the apple of his eye. God called me his very best friend. Is there anybody else in here who wants to go by your new name as opposed to what your enemy has been telling you that you are. So you need to speak the word over your life. And then lastly, your worship is a weapon. We often can quote scripture, oh, the word of God is powerful like a two-edged sword. We know that it's supposed to be a weapon in our lives, but we don't realize that our worship, our response to God, our praise to him is our weapon. If you're sitting there today and saying, how do I do this? How do I get more glory in my life? How do I make sure that fat boy is not running me, that he's not directing me, that he's not feasting off of my fear, causing me anxiety, causing me to come around people of God and leaving with my problems and staying the same? How do I get more glory in my life? There's a wonderful thing about worship. Every time you worship God, every time you respond to who he is, it's something that cannot be done in your flesh. Do you know what that means? If you open your mouth to worship, fat boy cannot be on the throne of your life. (laughs) Every single time you open your mouth to worship in any situation, he cannot occupy the throne. He cannot occupy your headspace. He cannot occupy your decision-making. If there's worship in your mouth, then God has to be on the throne of your life. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying today? Do you believe that it's time for a kill? I I, want to make sure that I've done a good job of letting you know that there is a place that God has for us, and it's a place of victory. And the very first step to making sure that we've killed our opposition is to open our mouths and say what God has said about us and to worship Him. Now, there's, there's, this is an interesting moment right here because this is where you have a decision to make. This is where all of this talk that has gone on, it's either a sermon or it's a real life change. This is a very significant moment because right here is the moment where you can decide that you will leave this place and never be the same or you will go back home and continue to negotiate with an insatiable and very fat king that is silently directing your life into the wrong place. That's what this moment is about right here. Are you with me? Would you be willing to try something really crazy with me? Just, let's just try it. Let's test the promises that God made for us. If the, if the worship team could come for the next few minutes, we just want to take this opportunity to make a kill. I, I, I've been hanging out with Fat Boy in here for long enough. It's time for me to tell him, stand up and get off of the throne. My spirit's been open, my mind's been open, and and I've convinced myself that I was cool and I was okay and I really didn't need anything else. But this is a moment where in this instant, 
you can remove him from that throne and say, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want every bit of glory that you have for my life. I don't want some insatiable, greedy, fleshly desires to misdirect me from what you have already prepared for me. And if that's you, take advantage of this moment. There are people who are willing to come and pray with you. Whether it's at your seat or whether it's at this altar, agreeing with somebody in prayer. If you're able to and you feel comfortable, stand up on your feet. And with an attitude and with an intensity, take advantage of this moment. I'm a father and I have children. That's just part of my legacy. And I can tell you, it wouldn't matter how big the opposition is. If something was coming after the gifts that God gave me in those children, I'm not going out quietly. It'll never get to them unless it takes me out. Can I speak to a level of aggression in this room about the things that God has for you? An intensity that says just okay is not okay. And a hunger and a desire and a desperation to have all of the glory that God has for you. And with that in mind, lift up those hands. And before the praise team even sings a song, open your mouth and draw your weapon. Open your mouth and lift an audible sound in this room that says, God, I want all that you have for me. God, I believe I am who you say I am. I believe in your promises. I believe in who you are, and I believe in who you are to me. When we lift up our hands, it's, a, it's just a sign of surrender to say, God, if I'm on the controls of my life, I can get myself into a lot of trouble. So I lift up my hands to say, you've got it, and you've got me. When we lift up our hands, it's just a symbol to say, God, in this moment, I'm becoming like a child. And I'm just saying, Daddy, pick me up. Pick me up so I can see things from the perspective that you see things. So I can see things the way that you see things. God, help me to make a kill. Help me to get victory over everything that opposes your glory being revealed in my life. I need healing in my life. I need peace in my life. I need community in my life. I don't want to feel like I'm in this alone. And I don't want a church to be a place where I always hear stories about great things that happen. Where I always hear stories about miracles that happen, but I never see them. I want to see your miracles. I want to see your glory. If that's you, let the sound that you release in this place be comparable to the measure of glory that you want to see in your life. Is that it? Is that all you want? You've been so kind and so courteous with your quiet and your paying attention, but now is the point where you make some noise. 
Now is the point where you lift your voice and you say, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory in my life. As this team sings, you can come forward and somebody will pray with you if there's things that you want to bring to the altar and say, I just want somebody to agree in prayer with me about making a kill, about taking out my opposition. Take advantage of this moment. I promise you, if you do, you will never be the same. Thanks for joining us today. For more messages like this, visit glorybell.com. 